You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Spirit right now in the room. If you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, you will be by the end of this service. Amen? And if that offends you, you're in the wrong church because we pray in the Holy Spirit. Let's begin to pray in the Holy Spirit all over the room. Father, we pray that you come right now. Holy Spirit, that you come into this room. God, you make a mark on people's hearts and in their minds this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and bring revelation into this room. God, I pray that you would, you would break off any kind of tiredness, any kind of... Um, any kind of laziness, Father, I pray that you come right now and you awaken hearts and minds and families in this room, Father. We come to you and we say, have your way. Holy Spirit, we say you can have this room. You can have this room today, God. We pray that you come and be God Almighty in this place. God, we want this church to be God comfortable, not people comfortable. So God, come and make your home in this place in Jesus name and we all say amen amen all right that was good we had a little prayer service and that was decent and in order because I did not pray in the spirit with the microphone right because which by the way in the book of Acts they had no microphones right we come up with all these kind of decent and in order things that make no sense biblically you know it wasn't very decent and in order when they all began to speak in tongues in the upper room and they all began to fill the streets and they all looked like drunk men and women. And there were some people in the area that were amazed by what God did and there were other people in the area that mocked. Who are you? Are you going to be amazed when God comes into a room or are you going to stand back with your so-called ideas of what it's going to look like and mock the move of God? And then Peter stands up high. This is why I yell when I preach, right? And he says, they're not drunk as you suppose. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied, not what some bad YouTube preacher thought he prophesied. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied. Your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. Come on, promise church. 3,000 people born again. The kingdom of God being established on the earth, amen? We want a church that's centered around the presence of God, not centered around man's opinions. Religion sucks. Religion is a form of godliness, void the very power of God therein. Religion is opinion. Relationship with God is power. And we have a lot of opinions, and opinions are like armpits, they all stink. And I want to see the power of God move in Woodland, in Longview, in Kelso, in Vancouver, in Portland, Oregon. And it's not going to happen with religion. It's going to happen when all of our hearts 
are, are lit on fire by the presence of God. And we all become burning witnesses for Jesus. Amen. Hi, guys. I'm home. If you didn't know, if you didn't know, I, came, I come from the other side of the tracks. That's why I'm a little bit different. The other side, the woodland bottoms, that's where I come from. Um, it's good to be here. I, I, feel, I feel good. Do you guys feel good? Okay, I want to say a couple things before we get started. I want to say this first. Johnny, could you please stand up? This is my friend, Johnny. Lee Box the Third. Could you have a better name than that? Uh, he went with us from Texas to Florida, and now he, he just drove with me from Florida to Woodland. That was a five-day drive, which was really fun. We became gas station evangelists. It was powerful. But Johnny is here, and he's going to be here with us and our family, so I want you to make sure he feels welcome. Can you guys just welcome him real quick? And then also, Johnny, yeah, you can be seated. Johnny was driving Uber in, in Florida. The Uber business in Woodland isn't quite as happening as St. Petersburg, Florida. But if you have any leads on jobs for Johnny, please come see him after service. He's looking for a good job. Amen? All right. Also, we're going to be having some interns join us in February. So we have eight, but we might have ten interns that are some some a, a couple from this area but some people are coming from New York and Texas and Amarillo and Dallas and 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 we want to welcome them as well and uh, they're they're giving up everything for 6 months to come to the northwest to see people saved and your cities transformed is that not exciting and so I, I just wanted to say this, and there's going to be more, more information. My sister Sarah, I believe, is working with, with Alonzo um, to, to ask if there's any people that have a spare bedroom that would like to house a missionary for six months. You will be blessed, and, uh, and God will bless you if you do that. And so uh, there'll be more information coming, but if you've got a spare room and you're like, man, I would love to house a missionary, who knows that America needs missionaries? Who knows that Woodland, Washington needs missionaries? Who knows that Longview, Kelso needs missionaries? Can I hear an amen? amen. All right, is it all right if I preach this morning? I got one whoop from the front row. That's what I pay him to do. And so if all of you said no, we're still going to preach. But if you're interested and if you want to pray into, we have a few months before the interns get here. Uh, for those of you who's never seen me before, raise your hand. I'm sorry for what's about to happen. Who's never heard me preach before? Wave your hands. All right, awesome. So I'm gonna tell you my testimony. I tell it about five times a day. So I'm quick. I'll be quick at it. For those of you that have heard it 500 times, forgive me. I'll be telling it until the day I die. But I grew up across the tracks on a dairy farm. It's kind of fun to preach it here because it just happened like right over there in, in, just in the Woodland Bottoms off of Wayland Road. Uh, my parents, who knows what the, the patch in town? That's my mom and dad. Yeah, you want to know how that started? You guys know Pastor Luke, who's my brother, youth Pastor Luke. Um, he, he, my dad said, if you want to sell this pumpkin, you can put it out by the road and sell it. So Luke was selling pumpkins on the side when he was like 10 or 11, bringing in money, and then that's how the patch started. So th those, th those are my parents. And uh, it was about... Let's see, I went through high school, so I played basketball with, with Pastor Casey, Pastor Jonathan, and Pastor Aaron. And uh, 
Jonathan was real saved in high school. Casey was saved too. I don't know about Aaron. I'm still praying about him. Um, but I was definitely not saved. Um, I just remember different moments with Pastor Jonathan. He was the righteous man of God at school. He, he held down the, the righteousness department in Woodland High School, um, as well as my wife, Chelsea. She is a born-again Jesus freak. For those of you that went to high school with her, she carried a Bible, wore black gym shorts, and a green tie-dye beavers shirt every day of her life through high school. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've got a couple hands in the way back. Where's James Durkey at? He knows what I'm talking about. He's like, yep, I'm Chelsea, the Jesus freak. So at age um, 18, um, I really had no desire. I, I grew up in church. Um, I went to a church here in town, and then my parents went to, began to go to a church in Richfield, Washington. And I did, I went to church, but I didn't know Jesus. How many of you know that going to church doesn't make you a believer? How many of you know that you can believe in Jesus and be on the wrong road? Even the devils believe. So if you're here and, and your mom brought you, that doesn't mean you're saved. Husband, if you're here and your wife brought you, that doesn't mean you're saved. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like going to Chick-fil-A doesn't make you a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Right? You have to know Jesus. I didn't know him. So at age 18... I was dating somebody that lived in St. Helens where Pastor Pat is and, and uh, the relationship ended and I thought that my life ended and I called Pastor Casey who was my good friend. He came to my house. He helped me for a couple days. I was like, yeah, I'll try this Jesus thing, but not really. It was like he was praying for me but I didn't have an encounter with God. Three days went by and I heard that she got back together with her ex-boyfriend. I got very upset. I got angry, I got jealous, and in my heart, I was going to go to that city and hurt that guy. And so my dad was trying to calm me down, and I was pacing out in front of, uh, in front of the house, and uh, my dad called me down, he said, go inside and read your Bible. So I went inside to read my Bible, and when I began uh, to try to read the Bible, really for the first time, maybe ever in my home, it was blurry, I closed it, and my hand physically got stuck to the Bible. My eyes rolled back in my head. Another voice came out of my mouth and a demon was speaking through me. My voice changed. You can ask my mom. They didn't know what to do. They, they didn't necessarily think they could call their pastor. He didn't have a grid or a context for that. But the Promise Church, which then I think was called Lifestyle, uh, sorry, Life Center, Life Center, uh, pastored by, by Casey's dad, they believed in the supernatural. So if, you know, normally, you know, churches that believe in the supernatural are called cults. Oh, they speak in tongues? They believe in the miraculous? Have you read the Bible? Like the, the whole thing's supernatural. Well, I don't really know if I believe that his hand got stuck to a Bible or if a demon spoke out of his mouth. And I don't really know if I believe in speaking in tongues. Do you believe that a whale swallowed Jonah? Do you believe that Moses took a million people across the Red Sea? Do you believe that the walls of Jericho came down? Like either this book is supernatural or it's not true. And so I had a supernatural encounter with a supernatural God who never changes, right? 
And Pastor Scott came to my house. He sat down in front of me and he said, what is it? And I said, it's the pornography. It's the alcohol. It's the relationships. He said, let's go deeper. We took everything out of my house. We threw it away. And as they were sitting there, Pastor Scott and Lori uh, getting ready to leave, they said, let's pray one more time. And Casey's mom pulled her hand back and said, it's not gone yet. What she didn't know is I heard a voice. I've heard voices. If you heard voices, you're not crazy. You need Jesus. I heard a voice in the pit of my stomach say, as soon as they leave, we're going to go do what we're here to do. And I couldn't, had no power over it. She pulled her hand back and said, it's not gone yet. And her hearing the voice of God, I believe, saved my life. They began to pray for me in tongues. That's why I am unashamed of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm unashamed. Why? Because I had a power encounter with God. I had somebody lay their hands on me when I was 18 year old, 18 years old, that believed in the power of God and the full counsel of God's word. And I was delivered supernaturally. That night at 18, I fell asleep in my mom's arms. We woke up the next morning. I took everything out of my room and got rid of it. At that time, I was volunteering. I was a paid intern at the Woodland Fire Department. And once or twice a week, Pastor Casey would come. Back then, he had a real cool, cool Jeep. That's when we were cool, before we had minivans. I'm driving around a 15-passenger Ford Transit, and I think it's cool. But kids think those things are cool these days as well. So anyways, um, he would come over to the firehouse. And I remember multiple times he would pray for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. So we get invited to go to a conference in Seattle, Washington. There's a man named T.D. Jakes, the bishop. Yeah, I like the bishop. We have a lot of opinions about people that we don't even know. Be very careful that you don't believe everything you read on the internet. Well, I read an article one time that the Bishop T.D. Jakes is a false teacher. That's a wrong article written by a false teacher. Guys, we need the power of God in our life. We need the power of God in our families. We need the power of God in our church. Religion will come and it will remove the power of God and replace it with religious form. We don't want religion. We want Jesus. And so we went to this conference and, and we were in the overflow room. There was about 300 people in that room. So we were watching the bishop on the screen. But who knows the Holy Spirit doesn't even need you in the room. Right, and so he's preaching, and he said, the Holy Spirit is here, and nobody touched me, nobody laid hands on me. I fell over backwards, hit the ground, and I begin to scream in tongues. I'm not going to do it right now because it will freak all of you out, and all the people online will judge me, and they'll write some articles about me. But it happened. It was really true. Just like when Paul was walking down the road, right? And, and Jesus appeared to him and he fell on the ground and he had an encounter with God. I mean, God is so supernatural. He is so outside of what limits we put him in. And he came in that moment and he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. This is why I am unashamed of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Why? Because I have encountered the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire, and it's changed my life. We have so many people that preach from pulpits that have encountered nothing but religion. And so they stand and they give you a good three-point message to help you get through life. A little self-help improvement message to encourage you. You don't need encouragement. What you need is, is encouragement to die. Because when you die, you will live. This thing's not about you. It's never been about you. And it will never be about you. It's about him. And when we lose our life, we find it. I'm preaching to somebody back there that's clapping. I see that. Somebody just lift up a tithe envelope and said, yes, pastor. Come on, let, let's, let's be a church. In, I see that over there, Elder Ken. Come on, come on. Let's be a church in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas for a minute. Somebody got to stand up and give me an amen. There we go. That's what I needed. All right, here we go. Is it okay to have fun in church? All right, if we're not having fun, we're doing something Wrong. So I fall over, I have an encounter with the presence and the power of God. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm speaking in tongues like a maniac. Luckily, I was with a people that believed in the power of God that were discipling me like Casey and Aaron and Jonathan. Right? And I heard the voice of God say, you're going to travel the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Preach and proclaim the gospel. I heard it. I never read the book of Acts before. I hadn't studied it. I haven't gone to Bible college yet. I heard it in my spirit. And would you believe it? It happened. Because I had a community called the Promised Church that believed that would pray. I had elders and, and friends. Like I was looking around the room during worship and saw uh, Sarah and, and Ryan Taylor and I see James and, and Rachel. I see all these different people that were a part of my journey and we were a part of a, uh, still a part of a, a church that believes in the supernatural. Who's excited that you, you wake up and you go to a church on Sunday morning that truly believes? It's way better than CNN and Fox News. They both suck. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I follow Jesus. A president ain't going to fix the problem. Jesus is king. We got to be careful that we don't become a political evangelist. How about we become Jesus people? that burn for Jesus. The only thing that's going to change the world is when people encounter God. And they are truly born again. They're taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. They become partakers of the divine nature and everything changes in their life. Do you want to know how you win a city? You win people to the Lord. You want to know how you win people to the Lord? You believe and preach the gospel. And we can do it, church. I came back home to take a city. I came back home to take a couple cities down that way too. I say we take, I say we take Portland as well, amen? I believe that we can see a city saved. What that means though is it's not going to happen on Sunday morning. <gasps> can you believe it? It's going to happen when you are equipped 
and you are lit on fire on Sunday morning and sent out into your workplaces and your schools and to the different places that you go like Fred, I got to change all my my lingo, it's no longer Kroger's, it's no longer Publix, it's Safeway, but it's always Walmart. Can I hear an amen for Walmart? Walmart keeps me straight. It's when, you, it's when you get lit on fire and you understand that you are a witness. You don't do witnessing. Do you know that you witnessed this week? If you're a backslidden Christian, you witness to the world what a backslidden Christian is. If you're lukewarm, you let the whole world know what a lukewarm Christian is. You don't do witnessing. You are a witness. And when you begin to understand that and you get caught on fire for the things of God, everything changes. You guys doing all right? Wasn't worship amazing? Didn't Ashley do wonderful? I thought we could just keep going. Casey did good too. But Ashley did really good, right? Okay, so I have an encounter with God. He speaks to me those things. I come back here, and there's a, there's a Bible college called Portland Bible College, and we went there for two years. A prophet came to a youth group that we were all at, and he said, in five years, a man's going to come to your church, sit down next to you, and ask you to travel the world with him. Well, would you believe it? Five years to the weekend, a man came and asked my wife and I to go with him. And started the journey toward now, I think we've been to close to 30 nations. Next month, we're going to be in the Middle East with Aaron again. And we'll be in Brazil, all over the world, seeing God truly change and transform people's lives. But you want to know what I want to see more than anything? This town right here. Know that Jesus is king. I thought about making a sign in the next couple weeks and standing on the side of the interstate saying, Chris Donald is back in Woodland and Jesus loves you. Um, if anybody wants to join me, I know Sonny will be there, but if anybody wants to join me with some hot cocoa, you can come out there and take some shifts, but I'm probably gonna stand there for two or three days. I'm back and he is coming back. Get ready. I'll never forget when we did that for three or four days in the summer before an event that we did in Woodland. I was amazed at how many people had arthritis in their middle finger. It just blew me away. I was like, we have a pandemic of like people's middle fingers are stuck up. Like, so I just begin to pray for people and it was wonderful. If you want to be persecuted and be a real Christian, you can join me after New Year's and stand on the side of the road and be a fool for Jesus. Amen. All right. Today, the title of the message is the original call never changed. You guys are having fun. I can see it on your face. You're smiling. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it worked. Okay, so the original call never changed. The original call never changed. If you're taking notes, write that down. The original call never changed. This is not an outreach message. This is a great commission message, right? If, if we're not careful, we look at somebody like me and we say, okay, the outreach guy's here, that's great. I don't really do the outreach thing. I'm more the door greeter thing or I'm more the kids ministry thing or I like that youth thing. No, this is a great commission call. So th this is not an outreach thing. We, we have taken outreach and put it over here and say, some people do that, I don't do that. So that, that leads me to my next statement that I believe that you can love God 
and be going to heaven and absolutely miss the missional call of God that's on your life. Did you hear me? I believe that you can love God, go to heaven, and absolutely miss the missional call of God on your life. 100% miss it. You, and it's really simple. You don't even need to try to figure out what you're called to do. You are called to make disciples. And, and, and by the way, you're not called to make disciples that go to church that are Christians. You're called to make disciples that are new believers that are becoming disciples. Because, see, we've changed the rules to be, well, you know, I make disciples. We're a discipleship church, so I'm discipling the same 40 people that I've been discipling for 40 years. That's not discipleship any longer. We have to redefine what discipleship is. It's, it's, see, but if, if we aren't seeing people get saved and people respond to the gospel, we will change the definition of discipleship to what fits into our context. And then discipleship becomes your little group that meets at Starbucks and talks about a topic that you never walk out. But I checked the box of discipleship No, no, discipleship is taking somebody who doesn't know Jesus, introducing them to Jesus, seeing them transformed and changed, and then walking them into saving faith in Christ where they're following him and transformed. That's discipleship. That's what gets me fired up. And I'm not coming in today with a theory. I've just been on the mission field, right, for the last six months in Tampa Bay. It was tough, but somebody had to do it. I lived eight minutes from the beach. It was difficult. Pray for us. We're trying to recover. But you want to know why I think God sends me there? Because he knew that I wouldn't be in vacation mode. He knew that if I sent Chris to the beach, he would still preach. Come on, somebody. You're going to see me in Fiji tomorrow. Why? Because God knows that if he puts me there, I'm going to fulfill the Great Commission. So he's like, I can trust Chris in Tampa, right there on the beach, because I know when he goes to the beach and has fun, he's going to preach the gospel. He's going to make disciples, because he read my word, and he believes it. This thing is so simple. This is not complicated. This is not rocket science. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make door greeters. He didn't say, go and, and make you know, children ministry workers or ushers. He said, go and make disciples. And I am all for worship teams and production teams and and creative teams. But I'm telling you that what all of those teams should be doing is making disciples, taking people that are atheists and having them become believers. And like I said, I'm not coming in with a theory or a book that I just studied. I just saw atheists, homosexuals, people that were so far from God, encounter Jesus, be born again and following him today. It's incredible. I'm going to share some stories with you this morning. I, I, I'm telling you that, that it's time that we get back to the simple, basic truth of what God has called us to do. I pray that this message shifts your life, not just the next day or week. I pray that I get to be with you guys next week as well. So if you don't like this message, come and try again next week.
I'm sure you'll like one of them. And if you don't like either of them, you might want to get saved. Which there'll be an opportunity at the end of both services for you to get saved or for you to get delivered from your religious demons. Religion is awful. You want to know why God makes me a bit brash at times and a little bit edgy? Just to disturb those religious devils out of your life. I just really don't care anymore. And it's so good to be free from you because then I can truly serve him. It's so great to be free from, from the fear of man because now I can just fear God and say, God, I want to honor you. I want to love you. I want to walk with you. I want to do what you told me to do. And Jesus told me to go and to make disciples. That's what he told me to do. That's what he told you to do. It's simple. Somebody is getting excited in the second row. Come on. Okay, here we go. The call, number one, the call. Matthew 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, I like Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Listen, he said, follow me. He didn't say follow me into a theological seminary. He didn't say follow me into a book reading. He said, follow me. Jesus came in Luke 19, verse 10, to seek and to save the lost. So he said, if you follow me, you're going to seek and you're going to save the lost. Let me disciple you as we go. Jesus came for the sole purpose to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. That's why he hasn't taken you to heaven yet. And remember, this is not an outreach message. This is a great commission message. This is what he's called you to. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't do it again. Don't reason it off. Don't push it away. Don't say, that's not me. That's not how, that's not how God wired me. Well, the way that you think God wired you was supposed to die when you went through the cross so that when people look at you now, they see Jesus. You're right, you weren't born this way. That's why we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus who is seeking and saving the lost. It doesn't say deny the devil. It says deny yourself. Is it all right if I preach to you like you're like 18,000 people? I don't know any other way to do it. And if you got it, there would be 18,000 people here next year. Oh, I always tell myself... I'm just going to stay calm and then it never happens. So he says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Number two, the commission. So we have the call and then we have the commission. In Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He didn't say you. I love this. This just rips entitlement out of the church. He says, all authority has been given to me. So if you want authority, you've got to have me. If you don't have him, you have witchcraft. 
and control and manipulation, you don't have authority. And there is a lot of witchcraft. Don't think a black pointy hat and spells. Think control and manipulation in the church today. Because we want to have authority. But Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be the least. Jesus, who, and we're going to talk about this next week, who is God who became a man. Not like the Mormons believe that he was a man that became God or like the Jehovah Witnesses believe that he's like equal to Lucifer. No, no, no. He is God who became a man. Humbled himself. I'm telling you. It says this, given me the authority, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a different kind of with you. When you get saved, Salvation, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit comes in you for you. When you are clothed in power, when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when you begin to step out and do what God has called you to do, He's on you for others. There are things that I have experienced, and we're going to talk about this next week, that, that, that I cannot put into words that I've experienced as I've gone with the gospel. I, I, I could try to communicate it to you, but there is something that happens when you're obedient to what God calls you to do and you step out and you do it, you encounter God in a different way. And, and there's, there's a lot of people that watch a lot of YouTube videos, read a lot of books and, and study, but they never actually do it. But when you begin to step out and go with the gospel, which by the way is not you going to Africa. It's you going to Walmart and being aware that the person next to you needs Jesus and simply saying, if you're too scared to do anything else, just take a promised church card, hand it to them and run away. That's better than nothing. We, we will start there. You just be known as the, see you later. Like, it's great. You get an airplane, just fly it over the city, just drop it all over the city. I don't, you just do something. So the commission, the call, the commission, but then number three is the cost of the call. But what I want you to understand is, is that I still have a life and I have fun. I got a really awesome street bike for all those older people in the room. It's older than me. It's a 1982 CB750 Cafe Racer. Man, I was cruising all over Florida preaching the gospel on that thing. I've got a dirt bike sitting in my dad's barn that I'm gonna, I'm gonna break out and go riding with Larry Legend. It's gonna be amazing up in the hills. I love basketball. Hopefully I play basketball sometime. Like, I, I want you to know that, that there's a cost, but the cost is your life changing from what it is today to what it could be tomorrow. I need you to understand that it's going to cost you something, but we live in America, thank God. And what I'm here to do is, is, is and we'll talk about this at the end, is, is I'm here to help create a space for the promised church to better further the Great Commission. 
And we're going to do that on Thursday nights, and we'll talk about that over the next few weeks of what that's going to look like and how we're going to roll that out, where we're going to be praying together. We're going to be equipping you. We're going to be taking you on outreach. Yes, you're going to walk around the city of Woodland and say, hey, can I share the gospel with you? Isn't that awesome? I'll never forget, you know, when I lived here, I'd walk up to people and say, hey, they said, you told me yesterday. Well, let me tell you again. Because you didn't believe yesterday. I believe that this city could be saturated by the presence of God. Amen? So a a few uh, scriptures here on the cost of the call. Jesus, this is in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's many people that are caught up in warring in the spirit and fighting off the devil. And I woke up this morning and man, the devil was on my back. No, you probably didn't go to bed early enough. You probably binged watched a a little bit too much Netflix. It's called discipline, which by the way, when we fast, I, I don't know if I should say this. That's a really cool picture. I don't know if we should say this or not, but fasting is not you stopping looking at social media. That's called good discipline that you should try sometime. Fasting is abstaining from food. And not just fast food. Right? I know somebody's like, I was gonna do a I was gonna do a 21-day Facebook fast. If you're thinking that, you need to do a 21-year Facebook fast. Because it would be a shame to stand before God and say, Man, you could have changed the world, but you spent 21 years on Facebook. Being offended at people you didn't even know, defending stuff that I don't even care about. Getting, mad about. getting mad about group chats in the city with people you're supposed to be praying for that you should win to the Lord. Getting mad about school board meetings and all other kind of meetings when really you should be on your knees praying for the people in this city that you can be saved, not be getting mad at them. Because the very people that you don't like are the very people that you're supposed to reach. This ain't Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever it's in. You're called to reach the lost. And we are making enemies against the very people we're called to reach. Gosh, I want to yell that louder. The church is in deception when we are at odds with our enemies and our whole life is consumed by things that don't even matter. Gosh, I'm getting fired up and I like it. Okay, anyways, back to the notes. We're gonna skip down to Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me that the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let's look at this scripture in Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw, can you say the word saw? When he saw 
the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest fields. Let's look at three things quickly. Number one is he saw the crowds as they really were harassed and helpless. Now, about three or four years ago, I got invited to a Portland Timbers game. I'm not a huge soccer fan to all the Portland Timber fans out there. I watched uh, 15 minutes, well, actually 45 minutes of, of one soccer game all year. It was yesterday, and that, that was cool when he made that last second kick, but then they lost. Aren't you glad that your hope is not in the Timbers and it's in Jesus? And if you're having a bad day today because of a sporting event yesterday, Moving on, okay. The whole city of Portland is in sackcloth and ashes today. We should probably go there and go on outreach. There'll be a lot of people wanting the Lord. Okay, so I wanted them to win. So we're at this Timbers game, and I was, in, I was blessed enough to be in the Timbers Army section, and, and they were chanting, and they were going back and forth. I think I was there with James, and every time they would yell a cuss word, James would yell, shiver me Timbers. It's awesome. Or we'd yell, applesauce. If you don't know James, I'm sorry, you need to get to know him. But, uh, you know, we were there. James probably remembers it. It was pretty miserable. It was quite awful. I just, I have a problem with soccer. It's so, they only score like once or twice a game. Like, is there a way they could speed it up? Like, I saw this thing on YouTube. It's true. They play soccer with, with tasers. That's exciting. You look it up. It's true. Some, I'm, I'm looking over here and there's real timber fans and I, I can feel that I'm entering into real danger. Okay, we're, we're gonna, so we're going back and forth and every flag is flying that I don't believe in. Right, they, they like perform gay marriages in the midst of, of, of halftime there. And, and, and I'm beginning to get angry in my heart going, these godless people, Why am I here? Right, going back and forth. And God spoke to me. He said, hey, son, how do you like your church? I got on my knees quick because I began to realize that I was creating fences and barriers and I was beginning to make an enemy out of who God called me to. When he saw the crowd, which it was so great watching it it on TV, it's like what, 40 degrees, they're out there with their shirts off, banners, I'm like, there's my church. Imagine what those guys would be like if they got Jesus. Oh man, have a church service with the Timbers army? We'll take a city. They line up like a day in advance just to get into the game. What if that was our pursuit of God? So, but when he saw the crowds, he was able to see them as harassed and helpless. Then he saw, number two, the crowd. When he saw the crowd, he saw a harvest that was ripe. So he saw the crowd first as they really were. And then he saw that the crowd was, heart, was, was ready and ripe to receive Jesus. 
I was in um, Tyrone Mall a few weeks back. We were on outreach and I, I walked up to these people at a, at a restaurant. I said, excuse me, can we have a minute to share the gospel with you? And they said, yeah, yeah, we, we would love for you to share the gospel with us. We're Christians. So I asked somebody that I was training, hey, why don't you share with them? And they shared the gospel. And towards the end, one of the ladies began to get really angry. And she goes, I don't, I don't believe in the same Jesus you believe in. And we're in the food court and she gets really mad. We're talking like starts to make a scene. And I'm standing there and she's with her aunt who's a believer. And she is a... She thinks that she's a believer, but she's living in homosexuality and has her whole life. So I said to her, I said, ma'am, I, I don't mean to be rude, but, but I, I, need to, I need to know, do you believe that the Bible is the true word of God? And well, how can I believe that? It's all, uh, and she got so mad, she storms off and we're standing there. But in that moment, I didn't compromise because love is speaking truth in love. So I, I wasn't trying to be, I was just saying, this is what the truth says. About 15 minutes later, this woman who freaked out walks back across the food court, puts her hand out and says, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, right now I need to talk to you. And she walks over and she walks into the presence of God. Right, because I don't compromise the gospel. There's power on it. Right, and so we're there and, and, and she walks up, I need to talk to you. And she goes, do you think I wanna be this way? Do you think I wanna be bound? Do you think I wanna be like this? I don't wanna be like this, I wanna be free. And she begins to shout and show that what's really on the inside is brokenness. I'm telling you, when we see the crowd and we begin to see them like they really are, harassed and helpless, we will see that the people that we think are furthest away from God are really close. And the louder it gets and, and, and the more they push and they cuss and they curse and they yell and they throw up their satanic signs and it's just them crying out for an encounter with God. It was powerful. Don't overthink it. Just share with people. Number three is this. He saw that the laborers were few. So he saw the crowd as they really were. He saw that they were ready for an encounter with God. And then he saw, we need more people. It doesn't say that the pastors are few. It doesn't say that the evangelists are few. It said that the laborers are few. If you can labor beside Jesus... He wants you. And by the way, if you're alive, you can walk with Jesus. Amen? The church in America has become complacent with the gospel and needs to once again understand that if we share the gospel, people will be saved. Gosh, center back on the gospel. You can't complain this week until you share the gospel. You can't get angry this week with, a, with somebody on the other side until you share the gospel. What if we live that way?
can't grumble or gripe or complain until you share the gospel because when you begin to share the gospel, you'll begin to see people's lives transformed and you'll quit living like the world and start looking like Jesus. I believe that ministry leads to maturity. I believe that as we begin to step out and he begins to clothe us in power and we begin to do what he calls us to do, that you will stop looking like the world and start looking like him. Man. So we decided that we were going to go to the beach and on the way to the beach, I I stopped off at Dick's Sporting Good to get a new football and uh, there were two ladies there and one of them got born again and then we walked to the food court and and that was right before that encounter with that lady and and, and another guy got born again as we were walking all in about 30 minutes we get to the beach and my cousin Aiden and Joshua are standing there and they're talking to a man named Naeem who doesn't believe in God He has an encounter with Jesus on a Thursday at the beach. Fast forward to Saturday. I'm at another park across the city, and I see two guys out in the field playing catch. So I thought, what a perfect opportunity to go out there, play catch, and share Jesus with them. When I get out there, at the end, when I go to invite them to church, he goes, no way, man. You're the guy from the beach. You can't make this stuff up. He goes, I'll be at church tomorrow. He comes to church after the message is preached. He comes to the altar. He gives his life to Jesus again. That's how you know it's real. That next Tuesday, he gets water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. The last Sunday I was there, he stood in line to say goodbye to me. He goes, thank you so much for changing my life. How about Rashad? This just happened. We were there and and we heard the Lord say, go to a seafood restaurant, buy a boat dock, which that wouldn't really work here. And and you're going to meet somebody. And we kept hearing the word elbow. Well, there's a place called the Devil's Elbow where there's a boat dock and a seafood restaurant. So we went there. We met Rashad. He was born again. He came to belong, got water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and is serving God today. What about Jason, who somebody invited to come to belong, which is our new believers gathering, and he sits down, an atheist, and they play a song. And as the song is being played, he goes from atheist to born-again believer without a word being spoken because he had an encounter with the presence of God. What about Kyle and Frank? Right, we knocked on their door. That night they came to belong. They both give their life to Jesus. Kyle was was an atheist and Frank was as far backslidden as you could possibly be. They both got water baptized the same night. Came out of the water speaking in tongues. Serving God in the church today. And I could go on and on. This just happened, and it's about to happen again. But first, we have to see the crowd. We have to see that they're harassed and helpless. We have to understand that we are called by God to fulfill the Great Commission. And and there's going to be a cost. What's the cost? It's not that great here. It looks like you stepping out once or twice a week saying, Hey, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? It looks like you handing somebody a church card and inviting them to church. It looks like you buying a goofy Jesus shirt and just wearing it to work. I don't know. It's simple. Let's end with this. I know we kind of said a lot today. I got a little bit excited. 
I used to apologize, but Casey told me I can't apologize anymore. I'm just going to burn. And if you want to burn with me, welcome to the burning team. That's how I want to end. I, I, the call, the commission, the cost. You're all called to do it, whether right now you believe it or not, you're called by God. And you are equipped with the Holy Spirit. I know that I said some things about politics and I said some things about social media and I meant all of it. I vote. I do. I believe in those things. But at the end of the day, if that is what your life is consumed by and, 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 you, and you just read feed after feed and you're angry, take a break and look at Jesus. If you're here though and, and you, you would consider, now we're gonna go into a church fast in, in, in January. It's gonna be awful. I mean, it's gonna be awesome can't believe that what was really in my heart came out. I love, everybody say it with me. I love fasting. Help me, Jesus. That's why we have grace. But in the middle of January, we're going to begin to open up some nights of prayer and equipping as we roll into our our launch in February of our new believers group. And you're going to already be miserable, right? Because you're not going to be eating. It's going to be awesome. Am I, is it okay if I'm just real? I really don't like fasting. Those really spiritual people that can do it really great, I need them to pray for me. I need the grace. But we're already gonna have our life kind of plugged up and a little bit different. And so if you would think and consider coming a few times when we open up these times to pray and to seek God and to go on outreach, yes, you, right? I think I think one of <laughs> Will I pray you go on outreach No you're deceived Well will I teach and 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 you go on outreach No you're deceived I need you to catch this. Can you just stand with me? I need, need, God, come. Come with your Holy Spirit. Well, 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 I I, I serve in youth ministry and and you, we pay you to do outreach. No, 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 no. You're a witness. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm too scared to go on outreach. Fear's a spirit. Let's get fear out of you, get heaven into you so you can change the world. I I, I might be uncomfortable. Do you think Jesus was comfortable hanging on that cross? It's just not really, that's not how I was raised. Well, get raised up in the Lord different. That's not how I was taught. I was taught that you're an extremist. Well, be taught and be renewed in your mind and read the Bible and believe it. Guys, he's coming back. He's coming back. And when he comes back, I want I want all the people in Woodland, Washington, when they stand before God to say, Chris Donald or somebody from the Promise Church told me so. 
they told me that there would not be one person that didn't hear. And how will they hear unless one is sent? And so what I'm asking you today, I'm going to come and I'm going I'm to go for it next week again and, and we'll be a little more practical. But I'm asking you in your heart right now as, as, we, as we close with this song to ask God and say, God, what would you have me do in this coming season? I know that there's men here that they, they work six days a week and they're up early. I'm not, I'm not asking you to be at the church and, and to be praying on Tuesday or Thursday night. I'm asking you that when you're in your truck, will you seek God? Will you share with people? I know there's moms here with four or five or six kids and you're like, man, well, what does that look like for me? That looks like you raising those kids up in the, in the way of God. And when you go to the grocery store, you just stop for one person and invite them to, to, to kids ministry. I don't know what, it doesn't need to be a lot. It just looks different than what we're doing. It looks like us waking up and saying, God, here I am, send me. And and I just prayed this morning. I said, God, I pray that no matter what I say, that it will just go into their heart and it will begin to stir. It doesn't really matter what I say, that it would get in there and there'd be a fire that begins to, to kindle inside your heart that when you go out, you can't help but share. And this is not an outreach message. This is a great commission message. I believe that if Peter were here, he would say, listen, promise church, go and make disciples. This isn't a Chris Donald pom-pom message. This is what we're called to. I can't reach the people that you can reach tomorrow, but you can reach them. How? Meet with God in the morning. Give him five minutes. Get his fire in your eyes. And go out and be Jesus to the world. If you're open to even beginning to step out, I just want you to put your hands out. And band, we can begin to play. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would stir an evangelism fire in this room. Especially in the holiday season when so many are open to have a God encounter. God, I pray that you would come and you would begin to move in people's hearts, in people's families, in people's relationships. God, I pray that you come and you have your way. God, I pray that you break religion off. Break it off of us. All the religious restraints, that you would break them off. Every religious mindset, that you would break it off. That we would burn for you, Jesus. I pray that we would hear the call. I pray that we would respond to the commission. I pray that we would count the cost. Come, Holy Spirit, stir in this room. Stir in this room, Holy Spirit. Stir by your spirit. Every religious spirit's got to go. No spirit but the Holy Spirit in this place. If you pray in the Spirit, begin to pray. Begin to pray, begin to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. Come with fresh fire, come with fresh wind, come and breathe on hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, come, have your way, have your way. Just another couple minutes. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Burn with fire. Burn with fire. All opinions, let them get out in Jesus' name. All religion, go in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit, stir, 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 stir. Awaken us to what really matters. Awaken us to what really matters. Stir, Holy Spirit. Stir, Holy Spirit. Stir in this room. Stir in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in might. Come in power. Come in fire. Come and consume. Come and consume. Break off apathy. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. Awaken hearts. Awaken families. Awaken lives. Bring us back to the original call. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. 